Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very, very well, Sarah. My voice is back, as you can see. <laughs> as I can hear. As, as you I can, can hear. Hear, hear and see, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> no, you yeah. can't see it. <laughs> no, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead if like we ever did like a, a live YouTube or something like that. <laughs> Actually, that's like one of my pet peeves. Like when people, and I even catch myself doing it, like as you can see when it's like, no, it's a sound. You really yeah. can't see it. You can hear the difference. You yeah. can't see the difference. Yes, you can't hear the difference. Hopefully, yeah, every, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just odd, but so, so I have a confession. What's your confession? I caved. I watched the Avengers Endgame trailer. (laughs) Yeah. So folks, if you were following any of our, either our personal Twitter feeds this morning or, or the the show page, Sarah was like, nope, nope, nope. But then I was like teasing her about it. And so she caved. That's not what happened. Uh, Well, I did. I did send you a tweet there. I caved yeah, yeah, barely, barely. Yeah. Um, and and I just I just decided that Will was taking forever to update his computer, and I had time to to watch the trailer. I'm I'm kind of disappointed by it because really? I guess after <laughs> all the hype of everybody, like, well, I, I was expecting some more like actual. I don't know. I recall the trailers for Infinity War. There was so much momentum, like with with a lot of the scenes they chose. But as much as I didn't like this trailer, I didn't like it because it did exactly what it should be doing, which is not telling you exactly what's going to happen and showing you all of these scenes. Like you're already buying your ticket. They don't need yeah. to tell you to go see this movie in cinemas. That's been sold. Yeah, I actually, I, you know, I have been underwhelmed by the recent trailers, but I actually, I love, I really, really like this one. I think just the montages that they had at the beginning with just retelling the story uh, you know, as far as our key characters and obviously the um, little new looks of Hawkeye, well, actually showing how he's morphed into Ronan. And, you know, just like with Infinity War, you know, there was that great, there was that scene of them running in the jungle that obviously didn't make it into the final cut. So, you know, I don't expect to see them in the quantum suits walking in a parade like that in the final cut of the film. Mm-hmm. And so, but it, I thought it did, as you said, what it was supposed to do. We are already, take my money already, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. and so, you know, there's nothing to sell here at this point. I think they were very smart in that they didn't, they just dropped it. There was no like, oh, this week we're anticipating a new, you know, end game trailer. It was just like, oh, there's a new end game trailer. Oh, it's like pulling on the heartstrings. Oh, we have some new footage, but we're also remembering why we love these characters to begin with as it sets it up. And they, and they close it strong with Thor and Captain Marvel. I, I don't know if that was strong. It was uh, it was a nice nod, especially because Captain Marvel just came came out, yeah, and I, so you kind of you you're, you know she's going to be in the movie. I don't know. I don't know if it was a strong finish, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm being I so articulate right now. <laughs> so articulate. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I guess to as you as you as you said to me while while we were getting ready to record. 
you've already seen the gifs and things already percolating all over Twitter and internet today. So, you know, it's, you've probably, you know, it, it's kind of like you, you were spoiled to begin with as far as kind of knowing what pieces are going to be in the trailer. So, you know, unlike specifically that scene, cause I it, watched the gift and then I'm like, ah, I might as well watch the full trailer. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so it probably ruined it for you um, instead of having that, that raw, like first time you see it uh, earlier in the day. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's the internet, the internet gives and it takes. And, and, and sometimes, you know, when, when you do, unfortunately because of you know obligations or whatever sometimes you can't see things when uh when they first drop and you know, it does ruin the experience but you know to the larger point of you know this is gonna be a three-hour film and it's going to you know, again it sells itself I, I, i'm glad they are holding back on dropping too many scenes from the movie because again like your original thought you know, you don't, you know, you don't want to be spoiled. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, speaking of give and take and ruining things, let's talk about Arrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just am so annoyed with Arrow season seven at this point because I I was watching the episode and I'm like, I do not care about 90% of the stuff. I'm a big Elicity shipper. I do not care that she's pregnant right now because I know who Mia is. Like, we've seen Mia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, I'm just very confused as to what I'm watching. Like, um, I actually, for one of the few times, I preferred The Flash over Arrow this week. Wow. By a large amount. It's just, I, I'm so, like, the uh, one piece of dialogue where I was like, ooh, that's interesting, is it's that brief moment when Bronze Tiger um, is refers to his son as Little Hawk. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. All right. So, John Diggle, he's going to adopt Connor Hawk. So, that is something that they're going to set up and they're going to get a reveal much like Dinah's um scar across her neck it's just and i like i i take it back i also really liked everything they were doing with renee and dinah but i could not help but get frustrated because they were really building that dynamic the first half of the season and then i felt like somebody said hey we have to wait five episodes and then we're gonna hit the restart and then they're gonna come back together and i'm like whoa Mm. What? Why? What? What's the point? I. And and last but not least, there is something very off about Stephen Amell's acting. He like I know Oliver Queen is broody, but I've mm-hmm. never seen a broodier version of him. <laughs> like it's kind of like Stephen Amell is reconciling the fact that he, like in only a certain amount of episodes left, he will not return to this set or return to this character. Granted, I I highly suspect he's going to do guest stars on the other shows. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's just it's just there's something so off about it. I I mean the if you compare these past few episodes to first his um the first half of the season, his acting style has completely changed, and it's bothering me so much because I felt like he he was doing so good 
um, that to see this three like this full three sixty turn, and suddenly it's like he's just reciting dialogue. I don't know. I, I'm very frustrated and angry about what's happened to this show. Yeah, I, I can see I can see your point about Steven. Um I think part of it is learning you know, for seven years you've had this character be on the other side of a of the line and and as far as if enforcing the law. He was a lawless vigilante. He set his own rules, and now he's having to basically operate within these new parameters that were set by the mayor and, and set by Dinah, uh, because obviously, you know, because Dinah kept reminding everyone it's her ass on the line. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, so I, I get, I get that. Uh, maybe it's the wardrobe choices that they're putting him in. I don't know. He's just. <laughs> He doesn't. You're, he, you're, you're right in the sense that he doesn't seem comfortable in his own skin, and maybe it is intentional that mm-hmm. it's because he is adjusting to this new life as an unhooded arrow, green mm-hmm. arrow. Mm-hmm. So you know. So I think that's you know. So I, I, you're right. There is something different about his his portrayal and performance as of late. Uh, and it could be story or or it could be, like you said, he's just coming to realization that, hey, this run is coming to an end. Because, I mean, even though the announcement came last week, you know, there's probably been discussions since he is a he's a producer now, if I, if I remember. Uh, doesn't he have producer credit? I don't um, think he does. OK, OK. But at least he's I mean, he is the lead of the show, so he is going to be intimately involved with what's going on. I so. actually I, I strongly believe he knew over the hiatus. Yeah. What was going to happen because of that interview that set Twitter aflame with Michael Rosenbaum, the mm-hmm. way he talked about it. And we all knew we all suspected based off of that interview. OK, is this the last season? Right. Then he came out and was like, well, all I said was I didn't sign my contract. So then they announced, oh, I signed my season eight contract. And everybody's right. like, hmm, mm. did you watch the crossover? Because I watched the crossover. Did you see what I saw? I saw what you saw. Yeah. <laughs> this is literally in my mind how me and Will talk to one another. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you all too. Yeah. You're joining in our little circle. Uh but yeah. And but you know, so maybe that is coming through in his portrayal. Maybe Yeah, I, I think it absolutely is because he's having to just like Oliver Queen, rectify the fact that this was actually his decision to make. Everybody wonders how Supernatural is going so long. The fact of the matter is, if Jared and Jensen did not want to do it, the show would end. But they keep getting renewed because they're, they keep signing up for more because right. they don't want to go away and try to hunt for jobs. Right, right. Like, like yeah, there's a Steven- difference. Yeah, and Stephen was very clear in that Michael Rosenbaum interview on that podcast. He is look, you know, he talked about looking for other opportunities and mm-hmm. being, you know, maybe moving behind the camera and playing at other characters and stuff. So, uh, I, I, you know, I know we didn't really get into it deep last week with uh, when the announcement first came out, but um, you know, I think your your analysis of this episode. I, you know, I have to admit, when I was watching it, I, I did watch it 
now with the full knowledge that this show is coming to an end. And so I was, you know, starting to pick up on those little things that, like you said, um, portrayals are being maybe different uh, possible setups for for spinoffs. And I've seen some articles this week about possible, uh, you know, Black Star and, you know, spinoff or uh, Amico, which, you know, I want to talk about Amico killing Diaz for uh, for just a quick moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, you know, Bronze Tiger sharing that little tidbit, um, there was a moment with her, you know, with Dante and everything, you know, there's definitely a setup of a, of a betrayal that's going to, that's going to drop. I mean, we can't have, we got to have somebody getting, betraying the team. And this is the logical place where that's, to, where it's it to happen, especially as Oliver tries to build this relationship with her. Mhm. Mhm. Absolutely. I Amiko is I haven't given much thought to her. And I don't know what that means. I think I've been so preoccupied with all of the news about the show itself, mm-hmm. with everything they're doing with Oliver and Felicity and all of the mistakes they're making in my opinion about those characters and and giving them opportunity to walk away, like feeling complete. Mm-hmm. I just have not given much thought. And I feel like part of it again, goes back to my thoughts on Renee and Dinah this week. I feel like Amiko's prominent in one episode, gone the next prominent mm-hmm. in another gone the next. Yeah. And, and so, and, and same thing with um, what's his face. Um, the new big bad. Who now I can't even remember Dante. Oh, Dante, yeah. Well, Dante, that was a nice. That was, I have to say, that was a. Uh, it was a nice surprise when with uh, Adrian Paul. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, that was that was. They, I will say for season seven, they have they have been bringing it as far as guest casting this year. Uh, yes. Yeah. I I agree. I agree with that. I I like the fact that. They revealed that connection. They also then took this episode to reveal that she had killed him. Mm-hmm. It killed Diaz. And um, and so you do know that that betrayal is coming. Yet they also continue to flash forward and show me a version of Star City where I'm constantly like, how do we get there within yeah. 16 episodes? <laughs> how do you explain, like... 20 plus years of history to make this place go to shit. So I just, I don't, I don't know. There's something about it where I'm like distracted. And I think that's the best way for me to articulate this. I am just distracted looking for answers, not about what's happening in present day, but how we get to the future. Mm -hmm. How we get to the future. We had the cassette tape and, Felicity's uh, recording for for William and Mia, mm-hmm. and you know I'm, I'm I'm still holding on to my theory that Felicity is not dead. Absolutely. And so, yeah, and and, and we again, I I, picked, I started on this and I didn't finish my, my thought on the on the Black Star William possible spinoff. It it's possible. I don't know that. It's not going to work. But it's not going to work. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's it's not, I mean, I know there's some theories out there that, you know, people, you know and source, my sources are saying that there's 
going to be new shows and blah blah blah. And yeah, you know, I read those articles and stuff, and I'm just like, just stop, just yeah. stop. I mean, really. I agree. Yeah. I, and, I totally agree. Yeah, just enjoy it for what we have. Um, yeah, yeah, I think with the alternate version that we're seeing of Star City, you know, maybe the crisis will cause another shift to get um, us back to a, a better a better place. I mean, it, they did touch on that with Oliver and Felicity talking about uh, raising uh, family and, and having their own children and and you know bringing them into a, a a better world and so i don't think they just dropped that in a piece of bit of dialogue in, in the episode this week just to like you know do it as a throwaway line i mean i think at the at the end game <laughs> oliver will you know he will be successful in his mission because otherwise I, I would hate to think that they would end the series on a note where of, of failure by Oliver. Yeah, but if he's going up against Thanos, I mean, it's Endgame after all. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, again, but you know, we have the Flash where and, and Legends, if they bring them back to, for for Crisis, they can go off on one of any number of fifty-two timelines that that Excess created. So, oh my God, Excess! I, and you know, this is another thing that is distracting me from focusing focusing on Arrow present day. Um, all of the Flash comparisons. Mm. I mean, it, it boggles my mind how similar these seasons are <laughs> <laughs> between the two shows. Because yeah. in both cases, we see the children of the prominent couple on mm-hmm. both shows. Mm-hmm. And how those actions are affecting present day. And there's betrayals. And there's new new relationships and it's just it's very interesting like i i still anytime i see felicity on arrow now i'm like constantly comparing her to iris because Mm -hmm. they're both dealing with very similar issues in terms of motherhood and protecting your children while your husband is a vigilante or a hero and has to do that sacrifice Right. And what does that mean? And what does that mean not only about you as a mom, but also as you as a partner? Mm-hmm. So it's just it's very interesting how yeah. how these two shows are are similar. Yeah, another and way there's another way they're similar is their predictability. Because every season involves somebody coming into Team Flash and saying, Hey, I'm a good guy. And you know what? Yep. They're not every single time. And I had the exact same thought that you just, that you just mentioned will like, are are you kidding me? It's season five and we're still doing the same thing every single time. Mm -hmm. Every Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, in in the context of Arrow this week, it was so predictable that, and I think, that was probably why you're feeling distracted or feeling kind of off by the episode of them suiting up again. I mean, it mm-hmm. was just like, okay, you're set up this conflict. I wish they had really spent more you know, with, with the mayor and, and Dinah. And, you know, I, I really, you know, they really underutilized Dinah's in some regard. I mean, they, they, they addressed her crisis of confidence and everything, you know, given that she lost her, her cry. But there was so much more they could have mined there. But I, and I know she's a supporting character, but it seems that other supporting characters have had good little arcs throughout the season. 
And I really wish they had stuck more on that instead of the quick rush to, okay, we're all going to go back to the bunker and suit up again and have the new special vigilante sanctioned unit. I mean, I was just like, man, you telegraph it. Everything. Everything. Yeah. But seriously, can we talk Flash now? Yes, let's talk to the Flash. Let's okay. go to the Flash. Let's talk to the Flash. Because we, we've we got timelines. We've got thumbs running amok. We have Cicada is back. And C- Cicada, I, I'm sure you appreciated him in this episode because they put him to sleep for most of it. <laughs> yes. And he was just really the MacGuffin of the episode by the end of it. Um yeah. I, I love how Joe Joe is back. Yep. He has his fatherly moment with Barry. Mm-hmm. He he actually even acknowledged how how good Barry is as a father and in that yep. role giving that advice. Mm-hmm. And then he is also the only one to be smart enough to realize that hmm this doctor person is pretty suspicious. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's all thanks to Joe. It's all thanks. Hey, he is. Hey, well, he's the master detective. <laughs> he is. He is. Like, why do we need Sherlock again? And I yeah. love how he's taking all the credit. Like my seventy third cicada, and it's like, no, yeah. no, this no, was Joe. No, this is all Joe West. <laughs> this is all Joe West. Yes. Oh. But and I will say this: I'm glad that they did bookend several things speaking of joe again you know earlier in the season before jesse had his injury joe ferreted out that cicada was a father or had some fatherly relationship and and again you know he was proven right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah no go ahead no no no, i was gonna say in in this episode like you said he he figured out that the doctor was helping him yeah, and and that Barry only if Barry wants to appeal to Cicada, it's not about him being the Flash. It's about the man beneath the mask because you're dealing with this crisis of all meta humans are evil. Well, if you take away the meta, all you have is human. Exactly. And 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 stupid Barry, I thought he was smart, but I guess not. He should have realized that because of that moment with their first encounter. Mm. The reason why Barry's still alive is because uh, Nora came in and was like, Dad! And then yep. he stopped from killing him. Yep, you're right. Yeah, I forgot you know, about that. Yeah. Forgetful. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, he got hit with like a daughter from the future. I don't know. And 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 he's he's very naive right now. He's in the honeymoon period of having a kid for the first time, I guess. I don't yeah. know. He's yeah. got the goggles on. He's just making all the wrong calls. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's not like he yeah, I mean very yeah, you you, you go from being fatherless to being a parent and all the mistakes and all the little things of them growing up, you you know, you don't he didn't have that time and and, and now he's just learning it as he as he goes, and you know, especially in, in dealing with it with an, a, a you know a, an adult, mm-hmm. you know, woman. So uh, he can be forgiven a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but um, I I actually found the weakest part of the episode to be Nora. Mm-hmm. Like I did not really care for how they are. Um, because this is the point in the season of The Flash where it's like, do the freaking reveal. 
or yep. I will shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> and so this episode, all she was doing was just, you know, filling in time. Yeah. Like, it, it, because it, it, next episode, we know the reveal is going to happen. Mm-hmm. We, we, we finally get there, but instead of instead of jumping to there we have to go through another hour of Nora just lying blatantly and getting and the signs becoming more and more obvious that there's something else really going on yeah yeah I, I agree with you there with Nora's this week it was I mean th- there were some nice moments with Nora and Iris that helped bridge that that gulf between them well you know they've been working through it throughout the season, and and this this was I think a very necessary episode from that regard with their having the scenes with the two of them to set up that and that big gut punch that's going to come next week when Thawne is revealed to be uh, the the puppet behind the current current events. However, they are un, are falling apart, obviously, because that was sort of the little tease we had at the beginning of the episode. Which, right. um, you know, and, and, and again, talk about Telegraph, uh, they did this a few weeks back and, you know, and it's easy to think when, when Thawne was talking about his, uh, the timeline changing and stuff, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people thought Godspeed, but I was like, it, it was, but it, you know, it's, it's Cicada and you have to, you know, you do have to put the pieces together from earlier in the season because if you recall from episode memorabilia, um, that Cicada first reappeared as a woman mm-hmm. um, after 2024, after Barry disappeared. But again, it's, I will give the writers and the creative team credit for this. They are doing a very good job this season of doing what they did in season one, of making all these different points in the in the season intertwined. And how yeah. even, even, even in the filler episodes, they are very important plot points because... Because you had that moment in memorabilia, you had the cause and excess, which basically blew up everything, and and it obviously accelerated Cicada of 2024 coming forward, and it's messing up all of Thon's plans. So it's not Godspeed, y'all. Godspeed's in the 2049. I I agree with you to an extent on that. I this episode was very satisfying because you did see all of those little threads come together finally and momentum really be being built. Um, Even though I wish there, the reveal would have happened at the end of this episode, but whatever. Um, But at the same time, I think that they probably could have still there, they, they could have removed some of that filler and still given you just what you needed, maybe in a different way. Yeah. Um, but I also understand they're they're writing like 22 episodes of TV, and yeah. sometimes you just you get lazy or you just fall into a rut of um, procedures or procedurals. Yeah. So so it's yeah, all yeah. understandable. Yeah. I. I, I loved that they did um, the female version of Gracie mm-hmm. and it's not, and it like, this is the difference between predictability that we were complaining about before. And like, no, that's a good thing that we all 
knew, but you also didn't know how they were going to do that or if they were. So, so even though you had your suspicion that that was going to actually happen, you also would have not been surprised if they had done something else. Exactly. Like had put yeah. in Godspeed. So, so there was still a surprise, even though it didn't, and it also didn't come out of left field. It's not one of those moments where you're right. like, wait a second, how do you get from A to Z? Exactly. I don't understand. And, and that's, and I, and, and, and thanks for bringing that up. And that's really what my point is what I said before, as far as all those little, you know, again, it's maddening sometimes, but I, I, they, I really feel that 5B of the Flash has been really good so far in that, um, I, I mean, I've really enjoyed the episodes in 5B so far. I agree. I, I think they've had much stronger ones and mainly because it has more it has felt more like flash season one mm-hmm. than anything in 5a yeah definitely definitely yeah and and, and we'll see and we will hopefully get a very satisfying reveal next week with you know again like like season one you have the the big emotional um gut punch of the betrayal we've seen it before but but given that it's going to be barry's daughter that does it this time and it's going to be his arch foe that is the the reason behind it i i'm looking forward to that i i really am and i really hope they that they um execute it uh well when when we whenever we get it next week or over or over the next few weeks Speaking about shows where it just feels like all of the threads are coming together, let's jump over to Supergirl. Yeah. Because Ben Lockwood is back. Yes. (laughs) I love Ben Lockwood. He's so critical. Yes, he is. And and even Manchester Black. See, I like... You know, we just got done talking about two shows where it's like they started off strong and lately not so much. And then the reverse is happening on The Flash. And yet Supergirl season four has just been consistent. Yeah. So consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, The only times when it dips is really when you don't see those characters that they started building up in the first half. Ben Lockwood, Manchester Black included. Mm -hmm. But now there's just like... I love that they made Alex protect Ben Lockwood yes. while all of this is going on. Like I was, I would have never thought that they would have gone there, and they did. And yep. I was like, "That's perfect," because I and we were talking about this recently in the sense that how annoying or how long can can this go for Alex not knowing who Kara is? Well, make her protect Ben Lockwood. I will be totally um entertained for another hour <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I love the moment when you know when Lockwood like put his arm on her and it was just like you know this is you know this is necessary blah 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 and it was just that the look she gave him mm-hmm. and and it was just i mean Shyler Lee just played that so well and, and and but you're right i mean that's just good storytelling when you like but to you know, her politics are completely 180 from 
from Lockwood, and she has placed in that dilemma of having to protect him. And they even addressed it in the episode about how, you know, when, when the, uh, the uh, agent, how was her name? Um, Lovers? I can't remember the, the African-American. F- yeah, I know. The, I knew. President. Yeah. I, yeah, the director. I, yeah. I forget what her name is too, yeah. but well, we all know. Yeah, but how she like, um, you know, even addressed the fact that you know, we know what you had to do here, and you got to protect. You had to put your politics aside to you know protect this man and, and do your She's, duty. Yeah, do your duty. Put your politics aside. Yeah, and do your duty, which yeah. is very. Anytime they go back to duty um, and what is morally right, that is that is a a fascinating aspect of who Alex is as a character. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's to your point about why Supergirl has been so consistent this season. They have been, you know, it's I I know a lot of I I see some people griping about it on Twitter and other places about the politics of the show and whatnot. But it's it's to me that is one of the strengths about what's why the season has been so consistent because there has been a underlying theme of a, a larger larger sense of duty and larger sense of story and you know issues of of the aliens here like supergirl who's here to protect us but then you have other people like you know you had samuels who was like oh um you know, Supergirl, you're, you're 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 different from the rest of these other aliens. You know, you're here to help. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, 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 you're 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 a hero, and, and 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 so to me, that is good. This depth of storytelling that has gone through the whole season, and and then when you put a a, a quote unquote big bad like Ben Lockwood to be that focal point, it's we you know we're not worrying about reveals and all the other crap we're we're focusing on like his motivations and those kind of things and and and, and to me that's why i've liked this season so far right i it, it gets to that point where i i mean the first few seasons had a lot of politics too and this is where they've always wanted to take this show um because it's so relevant to what's going on in today Yet, I feel like this season, they've really done their due diligence on focusing it on the characters. Yeah. Now, yes, you can have this big alien invasion and make all of these parallels. But if you don't understand why that's, why that's complex in terms of who these characters are and all of the different ways that, that – um, and what makes up identity – I mean, you have Kara. She's an alien. She's been on Earth pretty much her whole entire life. I mean, it's all she's known. Yep. And she's also she's also a hero. So they touched on that in that moment. Like, no, there is this third dimension to this person that you're not seeing. Alex is very similar. I yep. mean, up until they wiped her memory, she was constantly protecting Supergirl, yep. but really protecting her sister. Yeah. And and she's also someone who's very duty driven, and there's a reason why she's a soldier. There's a reason why she went into public service, and even though, and then you have that played off of somebody like Ben Lockwood, who you described as the big bad, and I don't know if he is a big bad. He's really just a catalyst. 
Right. He's yeah. this he's this face of a movement and who we're pinning all of this stuff on when really if nobody else felt the way Ben Lockwood would or the if nobody else felt the way that Ben Lockwood did about the aliens, then he would not be as big as a threat as he is with so many other people getting frustrated about the quote-unquote favoritism or the quote-unquote, well, this is just not fair anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that episode which featured all of Ben Lockwood, that was a character study mm. and just the way you understand, like, no, I understand how people with morally a morally corrupt vision get into power. Yeah. Because there is some sort of, like, y- y- you get why their message is heard when um, you see the experiences. You do. You do. And and, I, and, and I, when I say big bad, I, you know, I'm just using that as sort of the construct or, mm-hmm. or uh, what, we, what we're used to, to seeing in these shows. And I think, you know, to your, what, you, what you just are beautifully articulated is this is why he is such a complex character and and can you know does from his point of view he is doing the right thing because mm-hmm. you know because of all the reasons you, that you articulated right and and he's also dealing with his own civil war because mm-hmm. he might get thrown out of being the head of the yeah. um of the children of, of of liberty yeah i'm glad you brought that liberty. up yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because yeah, I, I I like the way that you know whenever he became quote unquote like you know legitimate uh, bureaucrat, the the other members of the of the uh, movement were like whoa 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 wait a minute you're you're becoming you're becoming the man, <laughs> you yeah. know you're not this under you know because because and I could see it from the Children of Liberty standpoint. It's been their government that has, even though they have the Anti-Alien Act and everything like that, it still has been the government that has uh, protected these, protected the aliens to begin with. So there is that inherent distrust yeah. of the, of the system, and yeah. and so it was very very interesting. And I'm glad they brought, I'm glad they they explored that some when Lockwood did become just started working with the president and got appointed as director of alien affairs for the government because now the children you know some members of the children of liberty were like whoa wait a minute you're not one of us anymore you're a part right. of the problem right and, right. Of course, and, yeah. and meanwhile you have um manchester black who's now leading the lead and they they've managed in a very short amount of time to create this team of people who who are following manchester black and he got hat and had just fifth dimensional power what the heck yeah (laughs) it's so cool and it's kind of a cheat though because it seems like very convenient to all of a sudden have pat come up and they manage to escape everywhere but he meanwhile is also like correct me if i'm wrong technically speaking manchester black is not an alien he's not Yet, because of what happened to his the love of his life, he is very much going up against Supergirl and saying, no, we need to protect aliens, but I'm not going to do this passive-aggressively. I'm going to go full force and, and kill the bad guys. 
because because this is wrong and and see that's another interesting thing it would be so easy or would have been so easy for them to have chosen someone like Monel to to come to Earth and be like, uh, no, we need to protect aliens, but I'm not going to do it the Supergirl way. I'm going to do it my way. But instead, they chose a human. Mm-hmm. And and as such a great move because in, in this episode specifically, there was a lot of stuff about the duality of all of these characters and all of their viewpoints on what is going on as a collective and as a political movement. Yeah, yeah, and particularly the inter- especially between Manchester and 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 John. Such a good relationship. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, just you know, John just trying to you know get Manchester to st- you know come to his way of of of, of trying to view the situation and stuff, and very frustrating how you know. Manchester gets under John's skin. I mean, John, who's like cool, calm, you know, very rational, but this pissant of a human just like gets to him and causes him to lose focus. And um, I just and, love their relationship. Yeah. And John had the line of the night. <laughs> I'm going to find you like a manhunter. Yep. <laughs> So guilty. It's yeah. you like if they tell me in um, next week or a few weeks from now that oh it turns out uh, Manchester Black is actually John's long lost twice removed son. I'd be like yes, yes. This is why they have because it does feel like a very father son dynamic it does. It does. in the sense that there was a rift. And the prodigal son came home and suddenly he's at war with his father. And and it's just and I like that they are are keeping that because, again, it would be so easy to really make this about just Kara and Manchester when they have their back and forth. But it's not nearly as engaging as when John and um, him go at it. Yeah. Yeah. The the scene, the, the screen just like lights up. Literally, when they uh, when they when they go at it to each other, and it was a very uh, uh, the scene uh, where you know Manchester, I guess, got whatever hologram crystal or whatever that was from this Fortress of Solitude, um, and, and and John thinking he, he had captured him, and then of course realized that it was just that projection. Again, it just really highlights that what we've been discussing as far as their their relationship and and and. John uh, really just trying to rein Manchester in, but he just continues to just fail at that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, and I, I actually was a little bit surprised by the ending. James gets shot. Yeah, that was like a season finale kind of ending. Um, and and we got Lex Luthor on the way. Mm-hmm. We and and wait. I'm sorry, I, I brought up James and then I quickly was like, yeah, he got shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how, again, you're taking a human who has has been best friends with Clark Kent, um, dated Kara, and very protective of alien races. And him coming at it from a journalism perspective manages to make a difference in the way people are viewing this, yeah. um, <clears throat> this political debate 
and and then they end it with him getting shot like yeah. the 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 um The oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. The mortal, the mortal yeah. gets wounded and yeah. gets caught in the crossfire. Now I do suspect that we got some Luthers pulling some strings, so yeah. it may not be entirely tied to the politicalness. Um, well, yeah, but it, yeah, it may, yeah, it may not be. I mean, I, the first when it first happened, because especially given he, you know, J- James was able to. You know, really showcased they that whole sequence when they had the, the rally and how it disintegrated into the riot um you know James capturing those photos and stuff and and really you know you again using the power of, of journalism and cat co to really shift the public debate uh and, and say hey what are we doing here um I, I thought when he was shot, I, I, I thought it was really tied to, to, tied to that. But mm-hmm. but uh, but you're right. It, it definitely could be. You know, he did ask. He was poking around Lena's uh, uh, black operations with the government. So um, it, so it could easily be tied to the Luthors, uh, especially given that Lex is going to be around next week. Yeah. Or I mean, it could have also been Amiko. We don't know anymore. Could, she's just killing be. people left and right. Yeah, she so. just you know, she just uh yeah, she just kind of vibed over to the uh to the to Earth thirty eight. Yeah, yeah. I, I think some don't kill rules need to get put in play for Amiko and probably a few other people. Just a few. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, you wanna talk about Black Lightning? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I know we haven't talked about it in a while. It's been uh quite the uh, journey with with this this season. Um the, yeah. yeah, go ahead. You're going to have to do the heavy lifting cuz I cannot explain about 40% of what's going on anymore, but I will start off the discussion by saying rule number 1, we do not expose our identities. Damn it, Barry. Yeah. Rule number two, we always have backup. Damn it, Carl. <laughs> or Cara. <laughs> damn it, Cara. Rule number three, we don't kill. Yeah, damn it, Oliver Queen. <laughs> if, during that discussion, I was like, man, all yeah. of their buddies have broken every single one of the... Is this yes, shade? They... Is this some shade being thrown? Just, just a little bit of shade. I think uh, somehow... Jefferson Pierce has got to make his way over to to the Arrowverse because because <laughs> all his three principal rules have been violated by our three principal heroes. Uh, I mean, they aired this episode right in the same week where on Barry on the Flash, Barry reveals himself to Cicada. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. I'm like again, no, no. But yeah, yeah. Um, there was a moment this episode with Jefferson and Jennifer and, you know, going over rule number three, which is not to kill. And in particular, why it was important as metas not to do, not, not to basically step into the role of gods. Because if, you know, with these superhuman abilities and stuff, they could easily cross into delusions of grandeur and godhood and thinking that they are judge, jury, and executioner. And, and 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 I I liked 
one of the things I've liked about Black Lightning is even when they have all this meta stuff going on, and now we even have reanimation with La La, um, they still try to keep it somewhat grounded with these, with these, with the Pierces, even though they are, you know, three out of four of them are metahumans. Um, so, you know, that was, I, I liked that moment. I guess the thing about this last episode, I felt like it was going all over the place. Because it starts out with another green light um, person, and you have a police shooting at the very beginning of the episode, and then it was kind of like just kind of left there. I'm like, all right, you, you kill Kate, man, and you you know, it was almost like a footnote to remind everyone that oh yeah, green light is still out there, y'all. Don't forget this. We got this green light, but then mm-hmm. we go off into you know, Agent um, Odell. You know, creeping on the the pierces and you know keeping them under surveillance, which is just very creepy. When he's sitting there watching the the film, as soon as Anissa Anissa went into that bedroom and started yeah. taking off her shirt, and then they pull out and they're like, "No, this is being she's being spied on." I'm like, "Whoa!" Yeah, they yeah. could have chosen it. I don't know a different transition point. Like that's yeah. just wrong. It's just wrong. <laughs> and I'm just like, and and I guess I mean I guess it just reinforces the unethical and the immoral nature of the ASA. Mm-hmm. I mean, in so many ways, I mean, obviously how they're treating the pod children, um, obviously this surveillance of the pierces. Um, and so it's, so, so there is that. And I'm hoping in the finale, they do, expose Odell for all the things that he's been doing uh, throughout the season because he is he is a he, you know talk about the he and Tobias well I mean basically the only difference in, in many regards to what they're doing is one works for the government and Tobias is just you know crime lord and so I, I like the way they do set that up I mean that is a very good way of you know seeing the world in, in Friedland um, so I because to and, and, and also when I thought Tobias wanted to become an arms dealer, I, I couldn't help but think back to the Flash with uh, Meta Dealer was the Amulet. Gold Dust. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gold Dust. Yeah, Gold Dust. Yeah. But then Amulet, she also was a Meta Dealer too. Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've seen these these Meta Dealers appear in other shows. Um, going on in this episode too. Um, I'm glad you know. Obviously, they're bringing out Jennifer and her. You know, still learning how to use her power, and you know she's supercharged, and obviously still wants vengeance for you know Khalil's death. And so there's there's a lot of threads that you know for a penultimate episode. I guess some will get resolved next week, but some will probably continue until season three. Yeah, it's um, it was such a filler episode in the most bizarre way. Yeah. Like there were there were critical scenes occurring. There was a lot of focus on the overall points and of the season and the motivations and where the characters started and how they've gotten to this point. Yet at the same time, I felt like th- nothing really happened in yeah. a way. Mm-hmm. Like um, and and I was just 
I was just thinking, I'm like, okay, you're going to have this discussion. Well, obviously, we're going to be spending the next hour counting down all the ways Jennifer and Anissa don't abide by the rules. And they ended up focusing on the most important one, which is really Jennifer. We know you want to kill Tobias. We do, too. But you can't because and a part of me, I really do. I want to see them go there and have her kill him. Yeah, I want to see that moment of innocence being lost and them exploring what that means in season three. Because I think that you could go so many different places if you did that with her and with the effects. Like, what does that mean for Anissa? Honestly, I think they will. I mean, why else would you bring this uh, this whole discussion up at the dinner table unless either she does it or Jefferson does it? Mm-hmm. Well, see, even if Jefferson does it, I it is a it is it's too much a bow on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Like he he kills the same man who killed his father. He gets his revenge. Okay. If Jennifer does it, Jennifer kills the man who killed Khalil and her grandfather. Mm-hmm. But Jennifer is also loses all innocence. Mm-hmm. At an age where that's where she's like, she's transitioning from that age of a child into an adult and into a superhero, but she just killed somebody, which is a very non superhero. Like, I feel like there would be such more, such, such a f- more fascinating take on where they could go with her if she yeah. does this now at such a beginning stage because. Yes, as much as that's like, no, you're not supposed to do that. I can also see there being a redemption into where she goes with her abilities and and becoming a hero. Yeah, yeah. But of course, and then and then the well, I guess the crazy doctor won't reanimate Tobias because he's still mad at him for killing Lady Eve. So I I don't even want to go down that road. <laughs> well, one thing I was thinking about during this episode. Um, especially because this is very similar to Supergirl, where you have a lot of politics. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of genre intertwined um, and very, we always equate it to the Twilight Zone, like that noir-ish mm-hmm. feel to this show. Yeah. Um, and I I wonder if because of the green light babies, because they're, they are very willing to use the term metahuman, Will we get to a point in season three or season four where the the Jefferson family have to come to terms with suddenly being treated differently, mm. like in terms of metahuman rights? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the stage has definitely been the groundwork's foundation's been put put there where they could go in that direction in season three or four, assuming they make it to a, a fourth season. But uh, they could easily. But start addressing it now because uh, Jefferson is out, outed as far as obviously Detective Henderson knows who he is. Maybe it, they, you know, they've I guess they've touched on it. It's it with the particular with the Pod children. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking about. It, it's the Pod children because for the Jefferson family to really be affected, they have to be unmasked. Right. But at the same time, there's a reason why Jennifer was so resistant to accepting her powers. Mm-hmm. And it was because of that fear of being different and being being treated differently. Right. And everything that she thought she had 
um, had in store for her future was suddenly um, questioned. Like right. that great moment about will I be able to have kids? Like what does that yeah. mean? Will I even want to have kids? Exactly. So, so I just I wonder the more these meta humans keep popping up and are not wearing a mask, are we going to have a different um, conversation about well, they're able to do A, B, and C, and I can only do this. So suddenly we have to treat them as lesser than. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that's a very good place where they could definitely mind because they've they've touched on those issues throughout. You know, from Friedland with South Friedland, um, and even in this episode with Lynn, and, and Lynn would be the obvious choice to sort of start spearheading this type. Uh, yeah. Uh, because you know, she she actually wanted Jennifer to talk to Wanda to help her, you know, deal with her her powers as far as being the wind girl, and yep. and how Lynn thought maybe. You know, given that Jennifer is you know, coming into her own as far as accepting her meta meta abilities, she could possibly be that voice that could help Wanda as she tries to do the same. Yep, yep. But we all know if Sarah throws out a theory, it doesn't happen. If Will throws it out, it always happens. But Sarah, no. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never right about these shows. <laughs> I should be right more often than not. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for us tonight. Uh, yep. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's the, at W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>